Welcome to the Creative Process Podcast, a discussion with artists about what goes on behind the scenes when they're creating their work. I'm your host, Dave Hopper. On this episode, I speak with Megan Signoli. Megan is the creative director and co-founder of Visual Country, a creative production partner to global brands. They create short-form video and digital content experiences that delight and engage users across channels, devices, and platforms. When social video first came to mobile phones through Vine and then Instagram, Megan set aside a successful photography career to dive in headfirst. Her unique visual approach to those mediums quickly amassed a large and loyal following. Today, over 1 million people follow Megan on social media, and we're happy to welcome her to the podcast. Megan, thank you for joining me on the Creative Process Podcast. Thank you for having me. So normally on these episodes, we've had a person before you who has recommended you, um, as I will ask you at the end of this interview for someone to talk to next. But this time, actually, someone from your organization actually emailed us that you would be a great guest for the podcast, which I think is awesome. So I'd like to especially thank you for that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's great. I didn't realize that. Yeah, you guys are sure. That's the first time that's happened for us. So that's wonderful. So it's kind of like a, a... you're going to have like your own branch of the podcast because you're going to recommend someone and they'll recommend someone. So it's all kind of starting a new branch for us. So I think that's great. Oh, cool. My first question to everyone is, where does your creative process start? Uh, my creative process starts with really um, trying to get really quiet, really isolated, and just kind of just trying to imagine almost like closing my eyes or staring at a wall and just trying to picture a photograph or just a flat image um, that I think would be interesting. But I think it takes in a lot of things that, you know, I want to do, you know, as you, like, live life and you think, oh, you know, one day I'd like to work with Mm -hmm. balloons or, you know, whatever it might be, uh, and just kind of grabbing towards, like, all the old things that you haven't gotten to work with yet that you want to work with and trying to figure out how they fit into this new project. So you're very inspired by what you've done before? Um, I guess, Actually, I feel like I'm more inspired by what I haven't gotten to do yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's sort of pushing you each time you get a new idea to try something new. Exactly, yeah. So you work with a lot of brands as a creative director. And how do you keep the authenticity of this brand that you've built up and this company, the Vigil Country, that you've co-founded... And obviously it has a unique vision that people want to interact with and be a part of. But how do you make sure that it's still a right project for you guys when a brand comes to you? It's almost impossible to know in a lot of ways because when a project comes to us and it might seem like the perfect fit, you know, it might seem like a fashion brand that has a very similar aesthetic um, and then they might uh, sign and then they're like actually we want to be super branded and we're doing this new campaign that's like you know just totally not like us at all because we don't mm-hmm. really kind of know until we get down like get into it a little bit more what it's going to be whereas a company might write us like Toaster Strudel wrote us and we just said you know it's really not on brand but like how creative are you like going to let us be mm-hmm. And they said, do whatever you want. So, you know, or, you know, to some extent. So (laughs) we were able to, like, use models and art directed and, like, really just make this fun thing for us that is, like, really on brand with us. But I think it was really fun for Toaster Trudel as well. So um, you just never know which one is going to be right. (laughs) (laughs) 
So do they come to you with a pitch or do you pitch them or is it some one way, some the other way? Um, they always come to us. We haven't done any outbound sales at this point, um, but we're planning to start. I don't know if that means that we'll be pitching things before we get signed, but at this point, um, everything that comes in, my account team kind of seals the deal before we even start talking about creative. So they generally have some small idea of what they want uh, or large or they might have even written it already. They may already have a brief and storyboards or they might just say we want something evergreen or you guys make really cool commercials or social videos like what do you think we should do? So it can be sometimes it's like very much they know what they want um, and when they don't and we tell them what we want it, it, it maybe goes back one or two more times but it's not really like a pitch. So was this interview your first pitch? <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Um, well, I guess uh, for PR, they, they reach out for, um, like our PR team will reach out to publications. Yeah. Well, they do a great oh job. <laughs> so I'll let them know. <laughs> so these shoots that you can do with a brand, sometimes they can take a long time from when they actually pitch you and you find out what it is to the finished project. How long was the normal time between when they reach out to you to when you deliver the finished product? Um, most of our campaigns are about six weeks if they're quick, um, if they are moving quickly. Because they're coming to us, they usually already have a project in mind. Um, whereas if we were going out and like following leads or pitching brands, I think it would take a lot longer for them to find something that was a fit for us. Mm -hmm. uh, but in this case, they already know what they want, and they're usually almost always the first line is like, we have a very tight turnaround. Uh, so it usually happens pretty quickly, but sometimes the longest part of the project is just waiting for the contract to get signed. <laughs> That's not too surprising, right? <laughs> Are you looking forward to reaching out? Is this something that you're looking forward to, or have you been dreading it, and you just like when they come to you? It's really nice when they just come to you because um, they already know, you know, that they like you. There's no sale right. having to happen. Uh, we did just hire a director of sales. So in the next few weeks, there will be some level of that happening. And I am really excited for it because, you know, she said to me last week, can you write down 50 brands that you want to work with that you haven't gotten to? And it was a really fun moment for me to, like, think about, all of the companies, I mean, we've worked with over 250 major brands, so that's a lot of them. I kind of thought, oh, who's left? Like, <laughs> but actually, I just couldn't stop. I was like, oh, and I want to work with botanical gardens, and I want to work with the, like, city like tourism boards. And, yeah, so I feel like that the possibilities are sort of endless, and it is really exciting that we're going to start going towards the, some new things that we really want. Was that the uh, Brooklyn Botanical Garden you mentioned? Any. <laughs> it would just be really cool. If a, we've had some museums hire us to make uh, videos or films, and they've been amazing collaborations. So I, I love flowers and I love gardens. So I think if one of the botanical gardens in anywhere in the world came to us and said to make something, I think it would be really fun. It does seem to be right up your alley. I think they would really benefit from that. Thank you. I, was, I definitely, yeah. <laughs> I hope they feel the same. <laughs> I don't know what kind of budgets they're working with. But True, that is always a concern. Some money. Yeah. <laughs> I actually wanted to, I just mentioned that for a reason. Um, I'm a photographer on the side as well. 
and I did a shoot at the Botanical Garden not long ago. And I wanted to oh. mention that because I wanted to talk to you a little bit about being a fashion photographer, which you were before you became a creative director. Um, and how did you get started on fashion photography? Uh, it's actually like kind of a whirlwind of a story, but I, I was, I modeled through college um, and I really just loved working with photographers and I thought that what they were doing, I don't know, I think there was some part of my brain when I was younger that just thought I was really not smart. <laughs> I just didn't have a, a confidence. Um and I thought, oh, what they do is so technical. I'll never be able to learn how to do what they do. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I had this like thought in my head, but I did. And um, but I was always taking pictures uh, all the time, and it was it was a passion. And eventually, I decided to take some photography classes. I started traveling and doing a lot of travel photography. Um, and I realized, okay, this isn't rocket science. This is like. <laughs> A, a short amount of time of like dedication of learning something and then you've got it. Right. Um, and I got past that and then I got really sick and I couldn't travel. And so I, I had a home studio and I would just find, this was like back in my time. Uh, so I would go on myspace.com and find pretty people and be like, will you come over for a portrait session? I am learning how to be a photographer. And from there, just having people come over, and I had a fashion background, fashion design, uh, I just started started getting into fashion photography. I know that's a really long long story. I hope that <laughs> no, no, it's makes great. sense. You liked it, but it just wasn't what you wanted to continue doing? I did like it, and so much of it is still uh, important in what I do today. I mean, we still do plenty of shoots that feel exactly like we're doing fashion photography. It's a little bit more branded, though, um, where we're still doing castings and models and hiring them and hair and makeup and dressing them and shooting photos of them. We're just making it into a video in the end. Mm -hmm. I think um, photography is a really tough profession right now. You know, like a lot of what brands need photos for, they're you know, hiring a social media manager to take or taking with iPhones. Um, there are so many photographers. Everyone knows how to do it. It's mm -hmm. hard to get good budgets. It's hard to keep clients. Of, I don't know. So I, I think part of what why I didn't want to do it anymore was it was just a struggle. Um, it wasn't. I wasn't getting the brands I wanted. It was a lot about networking, and I'm kind of you know shy. And <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I wasn't very good. I'm not sure. <laughs> but no, it I wasn't think that... really like taking off. But networking, I think, is the most important thing because people who aren't as technically proficient, I guess you would say, who are great networkers can move ahead. So it can be tough to yeah. find that sweet spot where you have both going at the same time. For sure. I mean, for me, I think that, like, the work is the most important. So, like, what does it matter who your friends is? I, I'm not <laughs> that great at networking. Um, I'm, I luckily did well on social networking, on social media at the beginning and that was enough to get my foot in the door and help me grow this business. But at the end of the day, like I don't really network anymore. Um, and I'm really, I really think it's just like the work speaking for itself. Why we get, why we get jobs. And that's gotta be the best thing is just to be able to not have to go out and shake hands and just instead show your work and let it speak for you. Absolutely. But as more and more people, crop up that kind of like copy what you do or yeah. or do what you do 
you know, then relationships do become even more important. True. It does come back to relationships in the end. This is true. Yeah. So another thing with um, photography is a lot of brands are moving to video, which is what you guys specialize in. Where did you start thinking about doing short-form video? What stuck out about that to you that you really want to just start doing it? Um, I had been kind of thinking video in a similar way of photography, which was I'm never going to figure out how to do this. <laughs> this is too hard. I don't know. You know, before even trying. Um and I just sort of lightly parade into it. I didn't think too much about it. And then Vine came out, and I still wasn't really thinking about it. It was all just, it was all very random and organic. It was like, you know, if you pick something up and then you have this aha moment when you're not really trying to have one. Mm-hmm. Um, I had really thought to myself, okay, this isn't working for me, photography, nothing in this field. So I'm just moving on. So I had really just let go of like all these sort of, you know, you start to build up failures and you start to build up rejection and um, you start to sort of like collapse it into your internal self Mm -hmm. and forget that you are not all of that and that all of that doesn't mean anything or matter. Mm -hmm. So I I had let go of it because I just decided to give up. (laughs) And um, I think that was the ultimate thing. It was like that letting go actually let me discover something. Uh, because I wasn't holding it so tight anymore. And so I just picked up the phone and I made this little video really by accident. I was just taking photos and moving them. And then I realized I could make a video out of it. Um, And from there, I just couldn't sleep for months. It was just (laughs) ideas coming to me as if the rain poured down on me of ideas. Um, And so I started making them and people started saying, you're being weird. <laughs> like, what are you doing? You're doing this like morning, noon, and night. You should get a job. Um, <laughs> you're like, I am getting I a like, job. No. Yeah, exactly. I'm on to something. And actually, it only took a couple of weeks before brands even brands noticed. And I got really, the timing was really good because a new platform came out at that time. This really fit well. I had this experience of lighting and design and styling. And I was, you know, putting together stop motion with styling with design with good lighting and and it just works really well for products so i think suddenly a lot of brands are like hey this is a good thing that we could be using on all of our platforms all those times beforehand that you were doing something but you didn't feel you're doing something right or you were just going along you liked it but it wasn't fulfilling all sort of built up to this one thing you didn't even know was coming and all of a sudden all your past stuff sort of filtered into it Absolutely. So and, that, you know, like, you have a lot of um, people through your life that might say, like, well, why are you taking this class or why are you spending time on that? And you may not know, but I think in the end, like, it all starts to make sense. Like, oh, I took that, I learned that one random weird skill and that ended up being a really big part of what I do now. So I think always just following whatever feels right in that moment without trying to be too logical, like, why am I doing this? I'm not going to make a career of ice skating, but there might be something in ice skating that's really important to what you do later. You just don't know it yet. Yeah, that goes along with the um, more experiences, less things kind of philosophy, where the more you go out and do, the more experiences you have to dwell on later, and you never know when that might pop up again. Right. So how did you decide to start Visual Country? And you outgrew the platform you were on. Brands were talking to you. How did you decide, I'm going to put this all together and actually put it out there? 
Uh, it was only a few months into it, and um, my business partner now, she said, you know, I was turning down a lot of work, and I was just working with sort of freelance assistants, and she was like, you have to be more legit. You know, you can't. <laughs> At this point, the demand is too high for you to just keep acting like a freelancer. Yeah. And so I really didn't want to do it. I'm like, I'd always been a freelancer. I was really nervous. But within like one lunch, she convinced me. And we started the company a few months in. And I started slowly. Our business was profitable from day one. Uh, There's no investment, no investors. I've never put any money in myself. It's just been like a supply and demand. But I never like wanted to take a big, big risk. So I got you know, an in-home studio that I still lived in. And I, every employee that I've ever hired, it's been like one by one, (laughs) just when we really, really needed them, like to the point where we were like, oh my God, we're exhausted. We need someone to fill this. Okay, let's hire them. Not, not one way is not better than the other, but there are other companies that started around the same time that they hired like 20 people before having any business. And then they got the business. So this is a different way, but that's, that's how I did it. Yeah, I think a lot of startups have an issue with that, where they see some success, so they, in their minds, they're going to see more, and then all of a sudden they have these 50 people that are looking at them like, what do we do now? Right, yeah. When you started getting brands, how nervous were you the first couple times you did something for a brand and you gave it to them? The first time I worked with was Lowe's, and actually I was shooting in the studio with them, mm-hmm. um, with them like all standing around <laughs> and like, being very involved. <laughs> I was nervous because I knew nothing about hardware or do-it-yourself, whatever. And so I just had to I had to write tips for how do you do things and then try to make an animation for six seconds within the how how do you do it. I didn't want to do it. I guess that's, uh, that's the theme, right? Like I'm <laughs> always like, no, I don't know how. I can't do this. Right. And Amber was like, no, you need the job. <laughs> You're taking it. You're doing it. Um, and in the end, I did 60 videos for Lowe's, and we won many awards for it. Um, and it really helped kickstart the business as well, because the press was amazing, which is actually why we're trying, you know, like we're working on our PR efforts, because <laughs> yeah. press has been really helpful to us. Um, but, yeah, I was nervous just to write it. But I think once it was written, and I, production is my whole, like, life for so long that, you know, getting in there, lighting it, setting it up. I, I think I had a good confidence once the idea was written. It's kind of like, um, yeah, it's like when you have a growth opportunity as an artist, everything you have fights against it because you don't want to fail. But then that's obviously the door that you probably should open the most, even though you don't want to. Yeah, absolutely. And once like you just peek your little toe in and get a little <laughs> bit of it done, then you're like, oh, this is fine. But it's almost like just getting, like, slightly in. That is the hardest part, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. How did you come up with your style? Because I would say you have a discernible style where someone would see one of your videos, even if it wasn't on your page or if a brand posted it, they can say, oh, I would visual country most likely did this or someone copying them. Um, So how did you come up with that style? Did it just come organically or is there something that inspires it? I think it's totally organic. It's funny because so I, I studied um, fine art and fashion design and lately I've been painting a lot 
but back then, you know, I was younger when I used to draw and I would try to be everyone else. You know, I would try to look like the paintings that I liked and I would try to mimic things and, you know, it just never was like that fun and it never in the end was like kind of what I wanted. Um, and now I've lost a lot of this uh, issue where I had no confidence in my art and I've just been painting for myself. And it's funny that I'm like starting to see a style in it. And I think it's like when you're not thinking about anyone else and their work and you're not comparing, you're not trying to be something when your like real style comes through. And maybe you need to mimic people at the beginning that you like just to like learn the technique. I don't know. But I think that as soon as I lost that, I was able to find myself. I think it goes back to what you said about starting photography. Oh, I'll never be able to do that. Because then when you start doing photography or when you start doing painting or whatever and you're just starting you're copying the ones that you like you want to know how it's done because you're thinking oh I can never make anything as good as these people I like and then you sort of like oh well this is close enough but then I would like it more if I did something over here or something over there but it's just getting over that right. hump that you can, oh, I might actually be able to do this absolutely yeah yeah you're totally right I have a question about the portfolio on your site because you have so many brands you've worked with how do you decide what to put on the front of your website um we update that probably every like two to four weeks with new things um yeah we definitely talk about the first like nine things that are on there and i think one concern that we have is oh is it too pink is it too girly because we do have some more masculine clients that call us and say i don't know you guys are pretty like girly do you think you can handle (laughs) taco bell (laughs) um and so I don't know. We just kind of give into the pink anyway. We're just like, whatever. Um, But we think about it uh, like we definitely want some things up there that have people. We want some things that have hands. We just try to like make it very well-rounded to show a little bit of all the different things that we do. And and we definitely try to put our strongest work up at the top. Like Mm -hmm. the things that clients reference the most. Right. Where, you know, you've learned over the years, like, this many people called because of this Tommy Hilfiger video. Like, mm-hmm. everyone loves it for some reason, no matter how <laughs> simple it is. But it's going to keep the first spot because everybody wants it. Like, yeah. that kind of thing. How do you respond when someone like Taco Bell or someone says, you're too girly, can you do something for us? <laughs> uh, I think we were a little annoyed. But <laughs> we won the job anyway. Um, and... I think we did a good job with it. I think, I mean, I get it. And I I get where they're coming from. There have been some accounts that we've gotten that I think maybe we weren't suited for, you know, like football stuff. We do have some guys on staff. I mean, Mm -hmm. but I think we have a style and not all brands are going to fit this style. And and that's okay. I don't want to be, I don't really want to be working on things that aren't like a fit for us either. Right. Yeah, you, it's one thing about having your style is you know what brands will fit you and you can sort of go by that instead of just trying to be everything to everyone. Yeah, for sure. And then we'll land things that I'm like, guys, oh, it's going to be awful. <laughs> and then they pull something like amazing out of their hats and I'm like, wow, yeah, that was awesome. And everyone loves this campaign. So what do I know? <laughs> so what are you working on currently right now? Um, this week we're working on Neutrogena, so we're doing all the storyboards for them. Uh, we're working with Ally Bank this week. Um, we're working with Clinique right now for writing. And then Lowe's again, I think we're doing something for their Insta stories. So 
um, yeah, that's that's like what's in flux of like being written. And mm-hmm. then we're at the final end stages of like editing. So we're always like in, even in the process of writing, shooting and editing like a whole bunch of things. We have about 10 projects that go on at a time. Wow. At least it keeps it fresh. You're not just working on one thing and getting burnt out on it. I know. It's like crazy that one day you're shooting cheese and the next day you're <laughs> shooting purses and the next day you're shooting for Google, like their new app. Yeah. So yeah, you're never too long in one vertical. So my last question is, who should I talk to next? Whose creative process do you want to know more about? Uh, I think there are so many people that I'd love for you to get to chat with, but um, Megan Morrison is a, a wonderful fashion illustrator and really positive person here in New York City, and she's just done such incredible things, so just definitely talk to her. All right, great. I'll get in touch. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. That was creative director Megan Signoli. Find her work at visualcountry.com. Thank you for listening to the Creative Process Podcast, a production of WAMC Northeast Public Radio. Theme music is Big Screen by Silent Partner. Please join me next time, and in the meantime, have fun creating.